Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 915 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 this morning. And I told you last week that the goal of this month is to help us decompress a little bit. It has been an extremely challenging year. We have been in 2020 for about five years now. <laughs> so we, we have a lot to decompress. We have a lot to, uh, to let go and let God. Amen. And so my, my prayer and my goal today is that the Lord will bring some rest to our souls, some rest to this dramatic experience called 2020 that we've had. And I'm gonna read from Matthew 11, but it's gonna sound a little different because I'm reading from the message translation. Um, if you have a hard time reading the Bible, can I encourage you to get yourself a message translation of the Bible? It's, it's a paraphrase of the Bible, and it, it really is a simple way to understand the Word of God. And, and I love once in a while to mix up translations because I don't want to get stuck in a routine of seeing things the same way every single time. Are you, are you with me? So here's what Jesus says. I love this. This is one of my favorite things that Jesus said in the entire Bible. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. He said, are you tired are you tired? Can you at least nod your head? Are you, are you a little tired today? Worn out? I'm, how many of you guys are worn out? Like, you're, someone's like, yes, sir. I'm, I'm. <laughs> how about burnt out on religion? Anybody feeling like religion is like burning you out? Uh, the same guy. He's, he's feeling all of this. Um, so this is for you, sir. This is between you and I today. Jesus said, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. If you're taking notes, the title of this talk is Real Rest. I mean, you know, we need a real rest in mind, body, and soul. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you learn to live freely and lightly. Can you say amen? I got a question for you this morning. How much gas do you have in your tank right now? Let me put it this way. Are you the, are you the, the gas in your tank is always on the full side or are you on the east side of things. If you, are, you, if you are one of those people who are always on the full side, I want to hear you make some noise. Are you on the full side? You guys. How about the rest of us? How many of you guys are like always on the E? Like the light is on. That's me. My wife found out very quickly what kind of man I am on a honeymoon. We actually got married here in New Bedford uh, in February, we'll make 15 years that we got married right here in New Bedford. And so crazy that we were destined to be here. We had no idea we would come and live here and plant this church. But we got married and then we drove to our honeymoon. We drove to Poconos on a pastor's budget. You know, we got to drive to <laughs> the way our bank account set up. 
But I remember we were driving there and we were in the middle of nowhere and the gas light came on and there was nothing around us. This was pre-Google day where you could just have like, where's the near gas station, right? This is where you leave, remember MapQuest? When you just like print out MapQuest. So we're in the middle of nowhere and the gas light goes on and she starts freaking out. I can see her mind going, my God, this is the man that I married. Like, we're gonna be stranded in the middle of nowhere. We're gonna run out of gas. And I'm going, nah, we got about two hours left on this. We're gonna be fine. You know? But I wanna ask you even a deeper question today. How is the gas tank of your soul? How, how is your soul this morning? Because it's one thing to, to, to drive on E in a physical car, but if your spiritual car is running on E, it could be scary. And we all know this, my friends, that when we're tired, we don't function well. When we're tired, we make poor decisions. When we're tired, we say things that we don't mean. Can I get a witness in this place? When we're tired, we will take shortcuts. And my friends, I think we can all agree 2020 has made us extremely tired physically, emotionally, and even spiritually. But my friends, this morning, I think we have to understand that running on empty could be detrimental. It could be very costly to our souls and to our lives. Many people have made very poor decisions because they were running on empty. I think we all know people who have made a mess of their career because they were running on empty. I think we all know people who have made a mess of their families because they were running on empty. And I know people who have made a mess of their ministry because they were running on empty. So it's important today to take a moment. If we're gonna decompress our souls, we have to ask the question, how is my soul this morning? How is my soul? This morning, the soul is the real you. The soul is the, is, the, is the person who drives the car of your life. And friends, pay attention to the tank of your soul this morning. We're gonna go very slowly this morning. Rest is so critical and so important to life that God actually made it a commandment to rest. It's, a, it's as if God says, man, I know what you can do when you're on empty and it's not good for you, it's not good for those around you, that I have to commend you to rest. Like he made it a commandment, not an option, a commandment. It's part of the 10 commandments that we need to rest. Right? And I wanna revisit the fourth commandment with you this morning. In Exodus 20, here's the fourth commandment. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath literally means Saturday, rest. Day by keeping it holy. Holy means set apart, distinct. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Keep going. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock. God's like, even your animal needs to rest. And all the animals said, amen. amen. <laughs> Any foreigners living among you, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God's like, man, it's detrimental to your soul to run on empty. So every six days at least, you must stop to decompress and to be reminded that all your life I've been faithful to you. And if I'm faithful to you in the past, I'll be faithful to you again in the present and I will still be faithful to you in the future, but you have to keep coming back to me as the source of all your life. You know, the Orthodox Jews still do this. Every Friday 
is the Sabbath day for the Orthodox Jew. Now, you have to understand a little bit about the Jewish calendar is that they count days by sundown and sunup. So Friday night is another day already. That's why when Jesus died on Friday and rose again on Sunday, we count that as three days, not two. Right? Because for them, sundown is a new day. And so for them, Sabbath begins every Friday Depending on where you live, where you live and your timeline, like around 5.30, 6 o'clock p.m., it's sundown, which means it's rest day. And so they will go to their temple, which is their church, to, to seek God first, to put him in his right place. And then the next day, Saturday, it's a full day of rest, fully devoted to just two things, God and family. And so what they do is they will spend the entire day unplugged from work, unplugged from social media, unplugged from anything that will distract them from understanding where their blessings come from so they can be fully replenished to take on another week with the blessings and the purpose and the will of God in their lives. My friends, it is a time to replenish. It's a time to unplug. It's a time to remember that God is God and he has blessed you already. And when you are rest, you have a better perspective in life. I want to remind us this morning that we are human beings, not human doings. It's unfortunate in our society that we don't meet people for who they are. We meet people for what they do. When was the last time you met someone and you said, who are you? We usually say, what do you do? As if what I do makes me who I am. That's a very dangerous place to live in life when you are defined by what you do, not by who you are. Because last time I checked, it's who I am that determines what I do. And if I stop doing something, that doesn't mean I'm stop being me. So God has to redefine us because society has, has defined us by being productive, not necessarily who we are. Are you tracking with me? So we are human beings, not human doings. And I know when I say that, of course, there is selective hearing. Of course, we can, we, can, we, can, we can confuse rest with laziness. And if you don't know the difference, you might be lazy. <laughs> I'm talking about a proper rest. Fight the urge of living life from a guilty standpoint. That if I'm not busy, I must be doing something wrong. Pay attention now, this is very important. Pay attention to the humming in your soul. You know, when you're driving a car, your dashboard has these lights, right, to, 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 to tell you something is going on with the car, right? And I believe your soul has certain lights that comes on. Pay attention. Let me help us a little bit. Pay attention with the stress level in your life. Pay attention to anxiety. Pay attention to fear unhealthy fears pay attention to anger these are all blinking lights in the dashboard of your soul letting you know something is up and you need to rest let me go a little bit deeper pay attention when you begin to lose the appetite for the things of God pay attention when you're slowly backsliding when you're losing the appetite for prayer when you're losing appetite for worship, when you're losing appetite for serving, these are all blinking lights in your soul telling you, pay attention, it's time to rest. And my friends, it is almost impossible to hear God when you're too busy. Sometimes God is trying to speak to us, but we're too busy to listen to his voice. I love what a rabbi said about the encounter that God had with Moses in, in, in the desert with the burning bush. This rabbi said something really powerful. He said, remember, it was one day out of nowhere that Moses spotted this burning bush and God was speaking through him. But the question is, how many times did Moses walk by that burning bush and never recognized it? That perhaps sometimes God is putting burning bushes all 
in front of us, but we're too busy to notice that it's actually God saying, slow down, stop. I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to minister to you. I'm trying to bless you. In other words, the rabbi was saying, the burning bush should not be this, 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 this once in a while thing. God is trying to put signposts all around us, trying to say, slow down, I'm trying to talk to you. The, the yield sign is an interesting sign. It's not stop, it's just slow down and pay attention. God says, be still and know that I am God. In Psalm 46, 10, but I want to read it to you from, from the message translation just to help bring more perspective to it. Look how the message puts it. The message says, attention all, attention. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers, and trees all over the earth, bans war from pole to pole, breaks all the weapons across his knee, step out of the traffic. The traffic is not just you in your car, the traffic is in your mind. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. My friends, we need to take a hard look at our God in order to do that, we must learn to slow down and make room to actually hear this God who is literally dying to speak to us, dying to communicate with us, dying to have a relationship with us. And the last time I checked, relationships are built on time spent together. Relax, he says, and know that I am God. Now, when I was younger, I used to pride myself after being busy. Super pastor, always busy. Pastor, we don't want to bother you, you're busy. And that becomes this really weird thing that we create in the church world to think that that's how we are spiritual. The funny thing is, it's the farthest thing from the truth. Because sometimes, here's, here's, this is going to mess us up, but sometimes it's being busy for God that you miss God. Some people are so busy fighting for God that God's like, I'm not even in that fight. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that tomorrow. <laughs> but we're so tired because we're so intoxicated with busyness. Your mind is tired. When your mind's tired, your whole body's tired. Because your mind is the headquarters of your life. Your mind says, man, we're running on fumes. Your mind is like a crazy computer. Your mind never stops. It's up to you to slow your mind down. Give your mind a break. Can I suggest a couple of things? I'm just suggesting. So I don't want you to come in at me. These are suggestions because you know when you're tired, someone tells you something, you wild out. <laughs> you're not yourself when you're, when you're hungry. So I love that commercial, grab a sneakers. Right? People wild out when they're hungry. That's why they tell you, never shop when you're hungry. Because what do you do? You buy all, everything looks awesome. So beware, never shop when you're hungry. Never date when you're emotionally hungry. <laughs> Looks good until... I'm just making suggestions. But can I suggest to you, consider what you're watching? Because the Bible says your eyes are the windows to your soul. You might be feeding your soul all the wrong things through your eyes because your eyes feed your soul. Can I suggest to you that maybe we should take a cue from our Jewish brothers and sisters and unplug at least 24 hours every six days, 24 hours unplug from the news, unplug from social media, unplug from anything that might be detrimental to your soul. Why do we even call it news anymore? It's not. It's slanted news. And can I make another suggestion? Shoot the messenger now. 
But binge watching is not resting. Matter of fact, binge watching is even more stressful to your soul. Have you ever told yourself, I'm going to relax? And you watch something that made you even more intense because you weren't discerning in what you're going to intake. And, and, and instead of being in a relaxing time, you end up like solving a murder. <laughs> I, I know we did it. And you start hearing people in the house and you start imagining things about your neighbor. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> we need to take a break for real. We don't need more conspiracy theories running in our minds. Your mind is tired. Worst is, religion can make you tired. Jesus lived in a very religious time. People had all kinds of religion, still do. But Jesus could look around and see beyond the physical. Jesus could see the soul and say, man, you guys are tired. You guys are hurting. Why is religion tiring? Because religion without the grace of God is works oriented. Religion says, I need to earn my way to heaven. I need to earn my way to God. And so what hoops do I have to jump through? Do I have to get catechized? Do I have to get baptized? How many communions do I have to do? How many things do I have to do? How many boxes do I have to check? Have I checked enough boxes? Could be very exhausting. Am I wearing the right thing? Am I not wearing the right thing? Is this the right song? Is this the right translation? Some people will be so drained because they keep reading the same translation. They don't even understand it, but because tradition says this is the translation. <laughs> Some people are loyal to dead traditions more than they are loyal to a living God. And then what happens is, the problem is, if we don't discern that it's our soul that is tired, we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We end up throwing our hands up and say, forget it, it doesn't work. All religions are the same, all churches are the same, all, you know, we generalize statements when we're tired. That's why a, a woman has her heart broken, all men are the same. Say, no, no, no. Don't put me with Johnny. Don't you, don't you put that on me. Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Right? You see a pastor fall from grace. All pastors are the same. No, no. Don't you put that on me. Do this. Don't do that. Let me tell you, legalism will suck the life out of you. You ever seen religious people who are so right, but they're so grumpy. There's nothing worse than someone who knows the Bible and is angry. It's possible to know the Bible and not know God. It's possible to go to church your entire life and miss the God that you go to church to worship and serve because you're so bound on traditions and legalism. It's possible that some people can't get past the fact that the pastor's wearing Jordans. Why are you wearing Jordans, pastor? Because I like it. Pretty sure if Jesus was here, you were, you were rocking Jordans. <laughs> I could be wrong. Maybe he's a Reebok guy. Maybe he's a Vans guy. We know he loved, he loved his sandals. Maybe he's a socks and sandals guy. I hope not. I, I, I pray. I hope. I, pray. I hope not. That would be a sad Jesus right there. Socks and sandals. Come on, Jesus. You got to do better than that. But my friends, the point is, religion focuses on all the outward expressions of righteousness, but here's the thing, I could be rocking a suit, but how is my soul? So my friends, we gotta go deeper. We're not looking for religion, we're looking for relationship. We're looking for intimacy, we're looking for connection. We're looking to break religious routines. My friends, can I encourage you? Break out of your religious routines if you want God. 
Once in a while, break out of the same translation and, and read a different translation so you can get a fresh perspective on God. Once in a while, break out of your devotional book and actually go into the nature and see the God who created the universe. He created the trees and the waters and see how awesome he is and how powerful he is. My friends, God was not meant to be studied in a laboratory like is a germ. Some people study God like he's a germ. Systematically breaking down every single thing. And then here's the thing. We know all the ingredients, but we never tasted how good God is. I don't know about you, but every Sunday, I reward myself with Thai food. Like, man, I did a good job preaching. I deserve Thai food. That's religion, by the way. That's religion. That's the religion in me. I earned this Thai food. I don't go to the Thai food to break down the ingredients of Thai food. I go to the Thai food to taste and know that this thing is good, and God created it for me to enjoy it. So my friends, the gospel is a better option. The gospel is embracing what Jesus has already done for you. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it. You embrace it. The life of grace and rhythm. You notice he said, come learn the enforced rhythms of grace, which is so cool because he's saying like, hey, this is a dance. And in any dance, someone has to lead. You ever seen two people trying to dance and they're both leading? (laughs) Worse yet, have you ever seen two white people dance? I am not racist. Let me tell you why I'm not racist. (laughs) Let me just clear this up because we live in 2020. You know why I can say that? Because I can't dance to save my life. So my soul is white. So I'm with you if you can't dance. But someone has to lead. He says, man, it's, it's unforced. When we're not resting, we're forcing things. The struggle sometimes that I see with Christianity, capital C Church, is that we are forcing things and we're asking God to bless it. As opposed to ask God to have his way so we can actually be blessed. That's a good word. You know what's crazy? Jesus, when he walked the earth, should have been the busiest person on earth. Think about it. If your assignment is to save the world, shouldn't your itinerary be like crazy, like 24-7? Like you should have something going on every single moment of the day. But when you study Jesus' life, Jesus had a rhythm to life. You know what's crazy? Jesus spent majority of his time in one region in the world. And he spent it with a few groups of people. He handpicked 12 guys to walk with him. And he had another small entourage that would come alongside. He was an itinerary preacher, meaning like he would go from town to town and preach the gospel. And sometimes he would stay uh, with people. And sometimes he would sleep on the streets. Like Jesus was like this really weird, you know, combination of hippie and, you know, uh, emo and, uh, and, you know, Rastafarian and a little bit of like, (laughs) Jesus was like the blend of humanity basically. And, and, and Jesus lived like that for three years, and, and Jesus would have these flows. If you, again, study the gospel, once in a while, just go back to the gospels and see Jesus, because he said, learn from me, right? We got to learn from him. Notice he didn't say, come to a religion, come to a tradition, come to a church building. He said, come to me. So he's like, man, let me show you how to do this. And he walked the earth and he met with people and he mingled with people. And I I feel confident that Jesus would have failed every evangelistic class we have today. In his name. (laughs) Because everything they tell us not to do, Jesus did. Jesus went to houses that people are like, yo, you can't go there. That's really like, those people are weird. Jesus is like, oh yeah? Okay, good. Because that's where I came for. Jesus is like, oh, Jesus, don't go there. That's a democratic house. Okay, cool. Jesus, don't go there. That's the Republican house. Great. I mean, I'm having dinner with you, Zacchaeus. IRS, tax collector, I'm coming to your house. Oh, that's the prostitute? Word, I'm hanging out with you. Oh, wait, you don't belong? You're an outcast? Okay, that's where I'm going. Jesus would have failed every single thing that we say today. Don't do that. (laughs) Pastor, who'd you vote for? Oh, man. If, if, think about this. I'm going to mess you up for a second. If who I voted for keeps you from coming to this church, then it's no longer Jesus that you worship. 
And if you only like me because I voted for your candidate, we got a long ways to go. <laughs> but man, I, I love Jesus because he broke every rule of religion because he cared more about people than he cared about traditions. So my friends, he made time to be with God. He made time to be with people. Go, go see the, 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 the flow of Jesus' life is he would get away to replenish with God and he would say, now I got my assignment, let's go. And then he would go and he would pull away again, go back to be with God because he never wanted people to define him based on what he does. He wanted God the Father to give him his identity and his purpose. And it's the same thing if we want to follow Jesus, we need to go back to the basics and get an identity and our purpose from God the Father and not let the world define who we are. He had time for friends. He had friends. Lazarus, Mary, Martha. Clearly, they used to go and hang out. And Jesus was a really, Jesus must have been, had a little bit of caveman in him too because he would come unannounced, but he would have friends with him. Caveman <laughs> will show up at your house with like 15 deep, like, <laughs> like, like you should know. But he had this flow of work. He said, I must work while it's day. But then he would, he would rest and he would play and he would hang out. And he didn't care who it was. If you want to be like Jesus, we need this flow, this rhythm of life. Maybe you're a Republican. Maybe you need to go have dinner with a Democrat. Because that's what Jesus would do. You know, the last house we lived in, my next door neighbor was Muslim. And we would have cookouts because you'd never had cookout until you had shish kebab from a real Muslim. And guess what? We would have cookouts and I can talk, talk to him about Jesus freely because we're neighbors. We, we can coexist even in our differences because Jesus transcends everything. I'm telling you, there's a flow to this because if, listen, I, if your religion keeps you from loving people, man, you need a new religion. Like, throw that one away. If your religion puts barrier between you and another human being, it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's religion, but it ain't Jesus. It ain't Roth, though. Listen, in the prophet Jeremiah, God says this about this rest that we're talking about. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stop. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel his path and you will find rest for your souls. But you replied, nah, that's not the road we want. Isn't that interesting? All over this nation today and all over the world, People will go to a church building, they will worship this God, and the God of the universe will have a word to speak, and then at the end of the word will say, no, nah, I'm good. I'd rather go back to my thing. That was nice though. That's what religion is. It's doing something within an hour and a half, and then go back to the same old. But for those who are serious about Jesus, you gotta consider what the prophet is saying here. There's three things that he pointed out about this rest. You can go to my last slide. It says, stop and look around. That's what a proper rest will do. It's about taking inventory of your life and what God has already blessed you with. Because if you don't take inventory, you will always live from a place of lack and not a place of abundance. And if you don't take inventory, instead of gratitude, entitlement will rule your soul. Oh, that's a good word now. If, if there's something going on in our society right now, we think we are entitled to things as opposed to being grateful for what we have and what the Lord has blessed us with. 
And my friends, I want to remind us that you may not have everything you want, but I guarantee you, you got everything you need. And if you have everything you need, God is faithful to bless you with the desires of your heart. If you start with gratitude, you might open up a door for yourself for more blessings because the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible also says that it is your thankfulness that makes room for more of God. That's why he says, enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving. That's not a meal. That's a lifestyle. It's not a day in a year. It's a lifestyle of stopping and looking around and saying, surely you've been good to me. Surely you've blessed me. Surely you've made a way where there seems to be no way. Once in a while, I think about the fact that I grew up in a third world country where my parents didn't have running water and they would get up early to go to a village and to be able to get drawing water for us to have. And for us to have a shower, I used to have to do a hundred push-ups and get really, really sweaty and then dump that cold water on you. Or maybe we'll boil it so we can go up on the roof because we didn't really have a draining system. And I think about this stuff and I'm like, God, you've been so, so good to us. He has been faithful. All you got to do is is stop and look around and see the goodness of the Lord. He says, ask for the godly way. You know what ask for the godly way is? Because we drift, my friends, from the straight and arrow. We need to repent. Repentance is not always this remorseful, you know, sorrowful, oh my God, I'm so bad. No, repentance is saying, God, it's like going to the chiropractor, align these bones of mine again to you. Align me back to where I belong in the first place. That's why we need to decompress every few days because you ever notice that you've ever been to the beach and you're playing and you're hanging out and, and, and you didn't know the current took you so far and you look back, you're like, oh, my our stuff's over there. That's what sin will do. You drift. The enemy never says, hey, you're drifting. The enemy says, keep going. The Bible says, no, stop. Ask for the godly way, Lord. Put me back together. Heal me again. Focus me again. Ground me again. The storms of life have shifted me. Ground me again. Deepen my roots, Lord. So come hell or high water that I can stay faithful and devoted and committed and dedicated to you and your will for my life. It says travel is path. The Bible says there is a path that's been set for you. It's a straight and narrow path. And life tries to distract you from this path. Make you take side roads. You know, I've said this before. I look at it like New Bedford. You ever, if you miss a street in New Bedford, it's gonna take a long time to get back to it because there's so many one ways in New Bedford. It's like one ways for days. I don't know who designed this. But God has to realign you back to his one way. He says, this is, this is the way, walk in it. But you won't know that if you don't stop to consider. You know many people will go to a church building today, but they'll come in and out and never stop to actually say, God, what are you actually doing? What are you actually trying to say to me? They check a religious box, but they never had an encounter to taste and know that the Lord is good. So as we take communion today, it's a time to stop. It's a time to reflect. It's the time to look around and say, God, you've been so good. I just come to align myself with you. It's amazing to me that Jesus only said to do this. And he made it a meal on purpose. Because a meal is an invitation to a relationship. You don't invite people for a meal unless you don't like them. You have meals with people that you like and you want to hang out with. And because we're in America and we're germaphobes, we've reduced it to a little cup. But in Jesus' culture, it was a meal. It was a table set up. That's why I'm telling you at home, don't feel like it's sacrilegious. You're actually way more closer to Jesus than we are here if you can go to your kitchen and have a meal with him. Because that's the whole thing. He said, come to me, to me, the living water. The me 
the one who has not just paved the way for you, but have demonstrated how you do this through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So my friends, today as we take communion, you are invited to God's table. How cool is that? You are invited to the kitchen table with him. And you are invited regardless of what's going on in your life. Only you, this is crazy, only you can keep you from receiving what God has for you. Religion would say, you can't take communion. Look what you did yesterday. You can't take communion. You, you've been divorced. You can't take communion. You don't belong to this church, my friends. It's an invitation. Come, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There's only one prerequisite. Do you want Jesus? <laughs> That's it. When, when I think that you come, we're going somewhere, it's up to you. <laughs> Do you want to come? I don't know, I don't know. Uh, invitation's open. Come. Come. He says, come receive forgiveness. You feel guilty today? Come receive forgiveness. Do you feel burdened today? Come receive rest. You feel confused? Well, come get some clarity. You feel lonely? It's a big table. Come, just come. Come as you are, he says. I've taken care of it. I've taken care of all of it, all of it. At the cross, he died to forgive you. He died to justify you. He died to accept you. And he died to say, man, let's, let's make this table as big as possible. I love the way the Bible ends. It ends in a meal. Go read it. It's a banquet. It's a massive banquet. <laughs> massive banquet. He's saying people are going to come from all walks of life. They're going to come from all cultures. They're going to come from all background. And they're going to converge into this one place called the kingdom of God. And they're going to have a meal <laughs> together. <laughs> so go ahead and get your American communion cup and peel it back as we're going to take communion together. You are invited. Yes, you. You. You are all invited. Allow me to read Jesus' words to us this morning. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Let's eat. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This drink. you bow your heads in a moment of reflection of gratitude Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice we thank you for giving your life your blood to forgive us to restore us to heal us by your stripes we are healed Jesus come heal us today Jesus, come help us slow down today. Lord, come and teach us the unforced rhythms of your grace. Teach us to accept your forgiveness, to accept your mercy, to accept your love, your identity, your purpose. Jesus, don't let my friends leave this place the same way. Or those watching online, Lord, I pray that your presence is saturated in their living room right now, in their bedroom or their kitchen table. 
Oh, Jesus, we are so desperate in need of a proper rest for our souls. God, we take you on your word. You said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, Lord. Today, lighten the burden off of us. Bring peace. Bring joy. Bring grace. Oh, bring clarity, Father. Renew us today, Lord. We are so desperate for your presence. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. God, bring us back to our first love. To love you with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. Love our neighbors, Lord, no matter who they are, as we love ourselves. We love you, Father. We thank you for this moment to just be still. You know that you are God. And perhaps there's people here or online who's never trusted you as the Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray right now, quicken their hearts to say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to live in the fullness of your will. So have your way in me and also through me. I want to encourage us to stand together this morning, my friends. And we're going to do a song. And I want, it's a song to help us slow down a little bit. I hope you're not in a rush. And we haven't done this in a while because of COVID, but I want to encourage you as we sing this song, if you feel led to come to the altar for prayer, put on your mask and come. We would love to pray with you. We would love to believe God with you. If you want to sit in your seat and, and do it there, you're fine. You're, you're welcome to. But if you want to, just come. The song is simply called Come to the Altar. Father, arm is open wide. Let's worship you. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Father 
has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.